Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast uh, on the week of January 18th, 19th. I've gone at the entire day thinking that today is Monday. It's obviously not. It's Tuesday, January 19th. Thank you all for joining us once again. Uh, very excited to talk Pistons basketball once again. And with me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, Mike. You know, uh, a lot, always always good to be with you and be able to talk about the Pistons and what's going on with them. So we got some interesting topics today that are more of, uh, like, opinionated opinionated stuff that is not necessarily exactly connected to the every game and everyday beings of the Pistons, but more so just kind of a – a general perspective on the team. So excited to kind of have these conversations and, and see where each of us lies within them. Yes. And isn't it just a time for opinions and takes in a somewhat lost season? I mean, I guess every season is, you know, no season's really lost. It just depends on what you take out of it. So um, we will, we'll go ahead and speed right into these topics here. Um, The first one uh, that we have is about Troy Weaver. You know, a lot's been talked about with Troy Weaver in terms of were the right moves made this past offseason. And I think that there's a, there's, there's a pretty good um, – there, there's, there's a case to be made that some of his moves, at least initially, um, you know, were not, were not the best moves. We were very critical of Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, But is Troy Weaver actually a genius – I think when you look at a lot of his offseason moves, the individual production of these players, while it hasn't led to wins for the Detroit Pistons, has actually been very encouraging. Obviously, Jeremy Grant is the name that sticks out the most. He's averaging 25 points, six rebounds, five, or excuse me, six rebounds, two and a half assists, a steal over a block per game. You know, great shooting numbers, 39% from the three point line, 51%. Uh, from inside the arc. I mean, those numbers exude greatness. They speak greatness. They uh, talk about, or they, they show that he is playing like an all-star this year, uh, which is maybe something that we talked about last week. So I don't want to stick too much onto just Jeremy Grant within this topic, because there's other guys that we can talk about that have proven their worth so far throughout this season. Uh, You look at a couple of the draft picks, obviously Killian Hayes, going down with an injury, he's not been able to really show what he can fully bring to the table just yet. But Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart have had productive rookie seasons. Uh, I think he got very aggressive, Weaver did, uh, in the draft going and making these moves and making these trades to acquire draft picks. And, you know, you trade a guy like Luke Kennard, who's been with the team for three, four seasons and was having good years while he was healthy. Um, You go on and move him and you add stuff to on top of Kennard to go and get a guy like Sadiq Bay, you know, it just shows he was very confident in 
uh, the type of player that Bay is and what he would bring to the table for Detroit and how he could potentially fit into the core moving forward. And uh, to his credit, Bay's come out and he's had a phenomenal rookie year so far. He's definitely uh, shot in the ball well. He's shown he can score. He can rebound. He's a defender. Uh, so that looks like a, a piece for the Pistons moving forward. Isaiah Stewart, um, I know others and myself included, considered him to be a stretch of a pick. And, you know, it's tough to take a center that early in the first round. You know, do you want to use your 16th pick on a guy that uh, plays the least impactful position in the NBA currently? But he's come out and he's shown that he is just a ball of energy. He's contributed positively. Uh, definitely there's been some growing pains, but he's shown that he knows how to play basketball and can help this team. And then you look at some of the other additions that, you know, weren't draft picks. Josh Jackson, who started to look better uh, in Detroit's last game on Monday on Martin Luther King Day, uh, even though before that he was looking, you know, he, he was struggling coming back off an injury in which before that, before he got injured, he was playing phenomenal, phenomenal basketball. And he was looking like another steal of the offseason type of pickup by Troy Weaver. Uh, but he's playing good basketball. And, and when he's playing good basketball, that's another guy that you can add to that list of players that Troy Weaver has brought in that have performed well. I think, you know, Mason Plumley deserves credit for doing what he has done. I, I think at times he tries to do too much. Other times he ha is forced to have to try to do too much, uh, but he still brings uh, a veteran, a capable player on both ends of the court uh, to this team that sorely needs those type of players right now. Um, you know, nothing really to write home about in terms of a guy like Jaleel Okafor or Frank Jackson, Rodney Magruder. Um, even DeLon Wright has been somewhat disappointing this year. Uh, the shooting numbers not there under 40% from the floor, just 33% from the three-point line, not really making the impact that you would hope he would make considering he's averaging 26 minutes per game and he's been starting for Detroit as of late. But, uh, you know, I think you look down the roster and you look at all the new players that are on this team, uh, even a guy like Wayne Ellington who – Troy Weaver decided to bring back to the franchise has had his moments. And on Martin Luther King Day, he scored, I believe, 24 points. Uh, he, he stepped in and played a nice role when necessary. He's, you know, been a guy where he may not play. He may start and play 25 minutes. It just kind of depends on the game, the day for Detroit. Uh, so I think Weaver has shown he's made a lot of nice moves and he, he can do a nice job evaluating talent. And now it's, it's going to take, you know, probably another off season or two to kind of fully see his vision for where he wants the Detroit Pistons to be while he is the general manager of this franchise. So for most first year GMs, and I think that this is the case for other sports as well, they're sort of determined by that first big draft pick they make. And obviously this one is with, you know, it's Killian Hayes and we're not going to get to see much of Killian Hayes. So does Troy Weaver get sort of a pass because of Killian's injury or are we going to have some revisionist history? Like if Hayes doesn't come out of this you know, injury, well, if he's not playing well, if he doesn't ever reach that full potential, are we going to have a little bit of revisionist history with Weaver and, you know, maybe say that he wasn't quite a genius or, or is he sort of immune to that with, with the moves with Grant and Bay and Stewart, obviously, you know, playing well and, and, Mason Plumlee's had some moments lately. I'll say that I am very confident that Killian Hayes will 
uh, whether it's this season or next season, uh, return to the court and show that he is a very competent and capable NBA basketball player. Um, so I, I, I would say that I kind of factored that into the, the talk about Troy Weaver, and that's because I'm very confident in Hayes myself. I was confident in how good of a player I believed he would be prior to Troy Weaver uh, becoming the general manager of the Pistons or prior to the Pistons drafting Killian Hayes. Uh, so I kind of just factored that in that I liked that pick and I still think it's going to pan out. Uh, but if it doesn't, I certainly think, you know, it's also going to hinge on in, in sort of that revisionist history terms, how long and how effective are some of these other players? Uh, you know, does Jeremy Grant's hot play last? Does that become normal for him? Does Josh Jackson continue to look good? Um, you know, is, do Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey continue to develop or do they plateau? You know, I think, you know, a general manager can only do so much in terms of finding the talent and putting the pieces together. And it's on the players after that, once they've kind of shown what they're capable of to continue to develop and build consistency and improve. Uh, but right now, Weaver has done a very good job in terms of finding guys that look like they uh, can be building pieces of a, a, a competing basketball team. But I certainly think if Hayes doesn't end up panning out, that's going to cast a shadow on the beginning of the rebuild for Detroit, and which would uh, then also cast a shadow over Troy Weaver's tenure so far just because of the the importance that Hayes has to this franchise. They don't have a point guard uh, of his potential on the team. You know, the draft coming up may be another opportunity to take a guard, but there are definitely some uh, big-name wings that are going to be available on the draft board where the Pistons will most likely be picking. So I certainly think there's a lot that lies on the shoulders of Hayes in terms of, you know, obviously – building a career for himself, but also on the, uh, you know, whether Troy Weaver has really done a good job because yeah, that first round pick, that lottery pick is very important. The GM has to hit those. And, um, you know, Killian Hayes and his performance when, when he returns, whether it be this season or next, will certainly uh, play a part in determining just how well Troy Weaver has done with the franchise. So do we think that, because this is, again, this is going to be, the question of the season do we see the building blocks of whatever the next iteration of the pistons is going to be do we think the you know the foundation's been laid do we we feel that with bay and you know stewart whatever he may be i'm actually not entirely sure exactly what isaiah stewart could be i don't know if he's a, a you know a career hustle guy off the bench or if he's got a little extra juice in him do, do we think the foundation has been laid um, here in Detroit that something else, um, you know, is happening that that's that's going to lead to something bigger and 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 better? For me, I, I don't think you can make that judgment until you see Hayes out on the court with the rest of these guys personally. But I think that there are some nice pieces that have been acquired. Um, that's you know that certainly prop up. Uh, whatever that foundation is. I think that I, I think that I agree with you in the sense that I don't know if you can fully make that assumption or, or judgment until we see Hayes on the court. Um, but I think Weaver is starting to lay the groundwork. And I think just kind of the process he took in the draft 
showed us that type of groundwork. He's drafting high IQ uh, basketball players. He's drafting. And, and when he said this throughout uh, the draft process, or he's drafting high quality, high character men. Uh, I, it's very evident that that is truly the case. You look at Sadiq Bay, you look at Isaiah Stewart, you hear the way about the way that they approach the game, how they approach life. Um, you know, you hear about the type of student, the type of scholar Sadiq Bay is. You hear about the the questions that you know, Blake Griffin and Dwayne Casey have talked about, the questions that, uh, you know, whether it be Sadiq Bay or Stewart have asked them in terms of defense or just about something about basketball. And obviously we know that Killian Hayes uh, is uh, has been a very much a gym rat and especially in the beginning of the season when he was healthy, was all about watching film, learning from his mistakes, this and that. Uh, I think you kind of see the groundwork from that point of view, but in terms of uh, in roster and, and skill set, I still think uh, there's a ways to go, and that may take another draft and another offseason to really kind of understand because right now it certainly feels like it's just kind of a hosh-posh of veterans and then a bunch of rookies really with this team right now. So I think it's going to take more time to really figure out uh, the full uh, plan for Troy Weaver. Yeah, I think it's, it's a wait and see approach, but there's, there's some real positives that can be taken because, you know, the difference when you're grading an NBA GM and I hate all those, you know, post draft grades who on earth knows what these guys are going to turn out to be. Um, you know, I think that maybe we're a little bit harsh on Troy Weaver right out of the gate. I think we did like his draft a lot and the off season moves that accompany it were kind of meh, but I think that, you know, an off season can really be defined by those, you know, those second and third draft picks, you know, just to go back to <laughs> maybe this is a bad example, but, you know, initially at, at, at the beginning, Kobe Altman giving up four picks, four seconds for Kevin Porter Jr. That looked like a, a, you know, kind of a head scratcher because he, you know, he had some problems and currently still has some problems. But at, you know, at the time for that one year, that was a feeling of, wow, okay, that was, that was a good move. I think you're seeing a similar, uh, you know, hopefully it turns out better. You're seeing a similar type of deal with Sadiq Bay in particular, where those are the, those are the kind of moves that, you know, speed up a rebuild, just, just a fraction, a fraction faster. And, you know, I'm, I think it's, I think it's exciting. I think that Troy Weaver is a good general manager. I think the, you know, the, the free agent signs they made certainly made a nice impact, but the guys like Stewart and Bay, you know, even just in a vacuum, taking out the Killian Hayes injury, those two moves are, are ones that set you up nicely that you don't really think about until another two years down the road when you're trying to put more pieces around, you know, Hayes or whoever, maybe it's Cade Cunningham or, or Jalen Suggs this time. Those are the, are the kind of players that you look at and think back and be like, wow, that was a pretty good draft pick. So um, I think it's, I think it's solid. Um, I, I, I don't think the Pistons fans should have any complaints right now about the returns for some of these moves. Maybe they're upset about the record, but guess what? As we said in that preview pod, if you were expecting the Pistons to win or at least be semi-competitive this year, you probably should have reevaluated those expectations. Yeah, that, those weren't realistic at, at all. Uh, knowing the likelihood and the talk of you know reshaping the franchise and tearing the roster down, 
Um, but overall, I think right now Pistons fans should be happy with the job that Troy Weaver has done. Yes, you can be upset about trading Luke Kennard. Yes, you can be upset about not re-signing Christian Wood. Uh, but you can you're starting to see the groundwork and the uh, not all of them, but some of the guys and many of the most important guys like a Jeremy Grant who you committed twenty million dollars annually to have panned out for Troy Weaver so far. And, you know, I think that there needs to be a sense of trust and belief that he knows what he's doing. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's always, you know, kind of a fantasy when you get all, all those draft picks to hit. And speaking of fantasy, that is how you do a segue. (laughs) Speaking of fantasy. And before we move on to our second topic of the pod, I wanted to tell everybody about our partner, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. From NBA to NFL and even the PGA, Thrive Fantasy has you covered with a wide variety of player prop bets for everybody. And you can use promo code PALACE, P-A-L-A-C-E. When you sign up today, you will receive an instant deposit match up to 50 bucks on your first deposit of 20 or more. That is awesome. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. And again, that promo code for instant deposit match up to 50 bucks on your first deposit of 20 or more is PALACE, P-A-L-A-C-E. Sign up and prop up today. Aaron, have you done any betting lately? I have. Unfortunately, a couple of the contests that I've participated on Thrive Fantasy have I've been canceled lately because of all of the games uh, throughout the NBA that have been suspended and whatnot, but I, I still am enjoying it. I think it's a unique way to bet rather than, you know, maybe you would in a typical daily fantasy um, game like FanDuel or DraftKings. I, I think it's pretty unique, the the player prop style that they use. So I'm a fan of it and I, I, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's a, a fun way to, to gamble and a fun way to bet. Yep, absolutely. And, and we certainly highly encourage uh, all of you to uh, to give it a shot if you are interested at, again, the promo code, the promo code rather, is Palace, P-A-L-A-C-E. Okay, let's go on to topic number two. And it's uh, a topic that we talked about extensively previously. That would be Blake Griffin. Uh, Aaron, what are, what are the Pistons going to do with Blake Griffin? He's still playing an obscene amount of minutes for, for, for my taste personally. He is. And look, I think that there's a happy medium between the uh, playing Blake Griffin 33 minutes a game. And, you know, uh, the, the opposite that the very extremist fans are, are coming at with don't play him at all. Just play Seku and uh, you know, some, you know, some other young player, you know, the 48 minutes at power forward. Uh, I think there's a happy medium that needs to be met. And, and that starts with limiting Blake Griffin. He still should be playing. I think it's, it would be a bad look. And I don't think it's necessary that uh, they would need to, you know, take him out, not play him at all. Uh, he is healthy and he is capable of playing basketball, but it needs to be in a lesser role. He needs to not be playing 33 minutes. He needs to be playing about 25 to 28 minutes. And, you know, more recently he's been playing more, it seems. So 
uh, getting him out of 35 minutes per game and getting him closer to 25 to maybe 28, opening up just a couple more minutes for someone like, say, Kudumboya uh, or sliding up Jeremy Grant so you can get Sadiq Bey in the game. Uh, take some of the wear and tear off of Blake Griffin uh, and, and get him off the court a little bit more because that's something that you know is going to affect him long term, especially if he's trying to uh, prolong his career as much as possible. Uh, it's not healthy for him to be playing 35 minutes a night, and it's not healthy for him to be the vocal point of the offense when he just clearly isn't at that level right now. I, I think Jeremy Grant's emergence has certainly uh, taken the ball out of Griffin's hands more than uh, it would have been had Grant not come out and performed this well so quickly. Um, but still, Blake Griffin has to do too much. Uh, he's taking too many shots. He's third on the team in shots per game, uh, just behind Grant and Derrick Rose. And you look at his field goal percentage, he's shooting under 40% from the floor. He's shooting 31% from the three-point line. This is not the Blake Griffin that has, you know, so had a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Uh, he's not taking good shots. He is not running well. He just doesn't look nimble out there. And uh, it would be best for the Pistons. It would be best for Blake Griffin if they took some of his minutes away, put him into uh, a little bit of a less role, try to optimize him when he's out on the court. The offense doesn't need to run through him, uh, but put him in situations uh, where he is getting looks down low, he's getting open shots rather than contested isolations or late shot clock shots where the Pistons just throw him the ball. And it would probably help having Killian Hayes and having another point guard out there that uh, is good at setting up teammates. But uh, there has to be some changes in how Blake Griffin is being managed by the Pistons. And it's going to take other guys continuing to perform well and score the basketball to uh, hopefully allow Dwayne Casey to realize that, well, we don't need that same Blake Griffin of 20, uh, 2017, 2018, or 2018, 2019. My years are all mixed up right now. Um, but where Blake Griffin was, you know, an all-star leading the Pistons 27 points per game, they don't need that from him. And they need guys like Grant. They need guys like Josh Jackson, uh, to continue to score the basketball and beat threats to the point where they don't have to run everything through Griffin. But uh, getting Griffin coming off of screens uh, down low, uh, try to get him layups, getting him open three-pointers. Uh, I'm not saying you can't post him up uh, every once in a while, but you just look at him try to post up nowadays, and he's just not getting through anyone he doesn't have that same uh, strength in the sense of where he's not just able to back someone down. Uh, he's not just able to bully himself to the rim, even against smaller guys. You know, uh, he was having trouble posting up Duncan Robinson uh, against the Heat on Monday. So it's just not all there for Blake Griffin right now. It's important that the Pistons maximize him. And by maximizing him, they take away the ball from him and they take some minutes out of his per-game basis. Yeah, you know, the minutes thing. Let's – I because I have his – I have his game log pulled up here, his his entire month of January. Refresh my memory. Didn't didn't he look gimpy at the end of one of these recent games? Did he look gimpy against he Milwaukee? 
It was well. It was actually against Miami that he bumped knees with Goran. Miami. Oh, that's right. He bumped knees. He left the right. Gimpy, you know, limping and in pain, and you know we don't know what that effect will have on uh, the Pistons and and him and what his availability might be moving forward. But you know that's just another thing that you have to worry about. He continues to bite the injury bug, and it's it's. It's not not going well for Blake Griffin this year in really any sense of the imagination. You know, I, I would really like to know, and I'll never actually know this, I would really like to know what Detroit wants to do. Or do they want him out there to showcase him? Do they want him out there because they think he'd be a positive influence on veterans? I, I think both of those are, are probably true, but let's look at – let's just gander at the minutes. You know, the Pistons lost Monday, 113 to 107. He played 36 minutes. He was two of eight from the floor, five points, five rebounds, and assists, two turnovers. 32 minutes against the Heat in the first game where they did win. They won by 20. That was a bizarre game. 32 minutes against the Bucs, 33 minutes against Utah, 40 minutes in an overtime win over Phoenix, 40 minutes, 26 against the Bucs on the 6th of January, and then 29 minutes uh, against Boston. Uh, which was that uh, nail-biting loss. So that's a lot of minutes. Nowhere should Blake Griffin be playing 40 minutes in a game. I don't care if you're trying to win. And I know that, you know, when you go to overtime with Phoenix, maybe Dwayne Casey just had the, you know, the blood just coursing through his veins and he thought, I'm going to win. We're, we're just going to get a win. We haven't won in however many days. We're just going to get a win. And he plays him for 40 minutes. And he had 16 points, 12 boards, 5 assists. By all accounts, perfectly fine game. The minutes distribution is a little bit concerning to me. I'm looking at the preseason log, too, and I think that's more in line of what he needs to be at. 22 minutes, 23 minutes, 26 minutes, and 25. That was his distribution this preseason. And, you know, the stats are whatever from that because it's the preseason. But that's the minutes distribution I think you really need. If you want a team to trade for him, to have the audacity to give up an asset for Blake Griffin right now, playing him 35 minutes a game, that ain't going to do it. That's going to wear him out, and then you're going to be giving damaged asset to somebody, or you're just not going to be able to move him at all because he's going to be hurt. He's going to bang knees with somebody else, and he's going to be out. So if you want to actually move him, I think you need to stick to that 25-minute sort of you know probably not what you want time limit and then see where you're at and see where he's at health wise i i don't know how that they maximize him entirely he's clearly a a diminished asset at this point in some capacity but he can be less of a diminished asset if you don't play him as much i mean he played 44 minutes in a loss to cleveland I think that, it, that is absurd. It comes down to, to managing his minutes and what is the best course of action for him? What Can you get him in a schedule where he's playing the first six minutes of the first quarter? He's playing the, la- or the, you know, the last seven minutes of the second quarter. He then plays the first five, six minutes of the third quarter. And then again, if you want him out there to close, play him the last seven, you know, six, seven, eight minutes of the game. Uh, and play him in those kind of six-minute bursts where he can go hard and then he's going to get 10 minutes on the bench. 
and he's going to be able to rest up and go hard again. And is that how you maximize him? Because he can't play 40 minutes. He can't play 35 and he shouldn't really be playing 30. You need to get him to 25 minutes, top him out at 28. Uh, It's just far and away the most logical thing for the Pistons to do. And that's not even uh, related to Seku needing more minutes or someone else needing more minutes. That is just in terms, although that is a benefit of it, a side effect of it, the, the biggest thing is Blake should not be playing as much as he is right now. There's too much of a burden on him uh, in that regard, and it's just not going well for him, and it doesn't look like it's going to get better. You know, there, there needs to be a, a discussion at some point by people that make considerably more money than we do <laughs> to talk and work in basketball. There needs to be a discussion of just a basic economics chart of what are you getting on a return, you know, almost per minute of Blake Griffin being on the court. Because at some point, you're going to start getting, you may be all, you know, might already be getting this severely diminished returns. And then what could somebody else on the court be providing, whether that be a young guy just getting his legs underneath him or somebody else coming in via trade and getting more minutes. I think there needs to be an honest discussion with the front office and the coaching staff about what can be done to still have him be an effective player on the court, but in a changed capacity or role. And maybe he's unwilling to do that, but there, there, there needs to be a discussion. Maybe they've already had one and, but there needs to be another one. And do you think that this has any impact on another topic we covered several weeks back in Dwayne Casey sort of going back to the vets when the going gets tough and just kind of letting them ride it out? I, I think that's that's something that Dwayne Casey has relied on and – I've long been the fan, not a fan of just letting the vets ride it out. I think it's it hinders player development. I know Blake Griffin is one of those guys that this season has gone through the struggling, and uh, you know Dwayne Casey just keeps him out on that floor, doesn't take him out. But uh, Griffin is at that point where he's not a uh, he's not a guy that you. He's not the player that you can just let stay out on the court and and work through his struggles. When you're playing bad, he needs to be treated like the majority of other players in this league right now, and he has to go to the bench. And, you know, someone else needs to have that opportunity to go in and contribute. When you have a guy like Griffin out there and he's shooting two of eight, you got to go to the bench. you got to give someone else an opportunity uh, because you can't just ride the veterans especially with what the Pistons are at as a franchise. They are rebuilding. This is not a competing team. This is a franchise that is looking towards the future, not the now. So that whole concept just really doesn't apply well with this team. And those, you know, those are moves that get you fired. You know, they just are. Those are, those are moves that get you fired. And Troy Weaver, Boy, he's got a quick trigger finger. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that Dwayne Casey and him have a good relationship. 
and Dwayne Casey's very well respected. But, you know, those are moves that, you know, could honestly could get you fired. And, and Troy has obviously put in place a foundation, as we talked about in our first topic, that, you know, this is how we want things to be run. These are the players I'm getting you. These are the players that you are going to have to work with. And, you know, those are moves that I think could put your job in jeopardy. If you are not playing the young guys, if you're, if you're going back to the vets and that's the crutch, you know, at some point Troy is going to hopefully say, Hey, uh, yeah, we're, uh, you know, five and 19 or whatever, just throwing out any sort of record. We're five and 19. I want, I want you to prioritize the young guys. And there's just a, you know, a feeling sometimes that, Dwayne Casey maybe won't do that. And, and I know that that was, you know, to go back to the, the woeful Cavs the first year without Braun when he left for LA, that was a thing with Ty Lue is Lue would go back to the vets because he felt more comfortable with them and he would sit the young guys down and guess what? He was fired for many other reasons as well. But one of them was didn't feel comfortable playing those young guys. And that's something that Pistons fans will get, a little bit tired of quickly, uh, especially if the losing keeps happening, there's going to come a breaking point where it's just easier. Just play the young guys, let them get time and then see what happens after that and sit the vets down. Not Jeremy Grant, obviously. Um, and speaking of one of those young guys starting over a vet, Isaiah Stewart. Aaron, should Isaiah Stewart be starting over Mason Plumley? And I still loathe Mason Plumley. <laughs> You know, I'm all about the young guys getting minutes. I'm all about the young guys getting opportunities. Um, but I think Mason Plumley is playing well. I, I think he brings a value in that starting unit to where I, I think he belongs with the starters right now. Uh, I don't think that Isaiah Stewart has done enough to take that away from him. I think when you look at how well Plumley has played, um, Stewart just hasn't done enough. And that's not a knock on Stewart. You know, this is a rookie. He's played 11 games. Uh, he is very early in his into his career. And he has done a lot of nice things. Uh, he's showing that he is going to rebound at an incredibly high level, averages over three offensive boards per game. Uh, in just 17 minutes per game, he's the top offensive rebounding rookie in the league, one of the best overall rebounding rookies in the league. But he still has uh, a ways to go defensively. And that's something that it's it takes skill, it takes experience, but it also takes size that uh, Stewart just doesn't really have in terms of length, which is a, pro, a, a prolonging bigger picture issue that uh, is going to eventually have to be talked about with Stewart moving forward. Uh, it's something that may limit him to his current role as a, a, a bench, a big energy big, but... Let's not take away uh, take anything away from the season that Stewart has had so far. I don't think many were expecting him to come in and get minutes, but when Jaleel Okafor went down early in the year and Stewart immediately came in and immediately provided energy, a rebounding presence, an interior presence for Detroit, that's something that obviously didn't get go unnoticed. It's something that Dwayne Casey was absolutely going to fall in love with, and Stewart has taken the opportunity and run with it. Uh, I think he's shown a lot of good things. Obviously, the rebounding stands out amongst all, but I think that the offensive game is growing for him. I think he, eventually he's going to be able to spread the floor for Detroit. 
Uh, he's shown a shooting touch. He was hitting mid-range shots at Washington uh, in his one season there. I, I think there's a three-point shot down the line for him. Uh, but that being said, Mason Plumley deserves to be the starting center right now. And that is uh, a job that is strictly for him to lose. I don't think Isaiah Stewart has earned that right yet. Maybe that's something that gets talked about down the line later in the season. Uh, but right now, it's just it's a good thing for Detroit to have uh, in terms of having two quality centers to take up those 48 minutes at the five spot. What about over Jalil Okafor? Well, I think that I think that Stewart should absolutely be the the lock in the rotation over Okafor, which he seemingly has secured. Um, I just don't think Okafor provides enough to take a young rookie that has shown, uh, you know, obviously some high high level qualities. I don't think Okafor brings enough to the table to take a guy like Stewart out and and uh, you know take away from his development. I don't think Okafor's uh, you know really a a big picture player for this team. I think that's a guy that Detroit can move on from whenever they decide to. Um, it's, Okafor is just very one dimensional in which he is a, you know, back to the basket interior scorer, and he's not going to defend well for you. He's not going to alter shots at the rim and he's an average rebounder as to where Stewart is obviously a very skilled rebounder and you don't necessarily need him to be a scorer and the Pistons don't need a ton of scoring at the center spot. That's just not uh, how their offense operates. So I think Stewart certainly belongs in the rotation ahead of Jalil Okafor. I'm going to throw a curveball question at you. Is a vet on this team that is actively harming one of those young guys in particular more, because I saw this, I saw a comment about Delon Wright in our, in our, in our group chat. Is there a particular vet like a Delon Wright or a Mason Plumlee who's actively harming the potential growth of one of these younger guys. We also had a, there was a Wayne Ellington discussion as well. <laughs> you know, if he's actively harming the growth of, of some of these young guys, whether it's be Mikhail Luke or I don't know, uh, Frank Jackson, Saban Lee. I would say. Is, is there a particular vet? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it can be Delon Wright because Killian Hayes is out right now. Um, and I don't think Saban Lee is someone that, you know, deserves to be starting. You know, I could see giving him minutes, um, but I don't think it's as bad as, and this isn't, you know, the thing is Wayne Ellington has played well when he's had to play. Uh, and it kind of seems like he's either going to start for Detroit or he's not going to play at all. Um, and again, he's played well, but him playing has definitely hurt Sfima Luke. It's definitely hurt Sadiq Bay. Uh, you know, to be able to have one of those guys starting, you know, ideally you have a guy like Mihailuk who could theoretically play the role of Ellington. He's a guy that shoots and, uh, you know, is primarily a three-point shooter, is a off the off the catch, on the move shooter, the way that Ellington likes to play and does play. Mihailuk is kind of that from that same ilk, um, but he takes up, you know, about 20 minutes a game when he plays. 
Um, and, and that, that certainly cuts into my Luke minutes. It certainly cuts into Sadiq Bay minutes, two guys that uh, can take up minutes on the wing. Um, but I, I don't know if it's actively, you know, really hurting. I think it certainly hurts a little bit. Um, but Casey has been able to find ways to get Bay and high Luke minutes. And, you know, if he ended up cutting Ellington's minutes, I don't think that would be a bad thing at all. I think Detroit has enough veterans playing in DeLon Wright, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, Derek Rose. Now, I think you can survive cutting Ellington's minutes and giving those to Sadiq Bey and Sfima Hailuk and, you know, continuing to allow for their development. Although the more I watch Sfima Hailuk, the more I see him as really just a, a role player. He's, he's really just a shooter uh, right now. And maybe he proves me wrong, but so far this year, that's really just been the case. So, you know, development isn't the most important thing with him. I think you can kind of see his career path pretty clearly. Yeah, I think I would agree. I, I'm, I just wanted to ask because I saw some discourse about Delon Wright and I saw some discourse about Wayne Ellington and thought, huh, you know, we've talked crap about a lot of, you know, the vets and the signings from Troy Weaver, which one's actively harming, you know, a young guy the most. So, you know, I'm just glad that we didn't have a, you know, a Seco Dumboya thing with Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant, although I'm sure that there's plenty of people, plenty of Pistons fans who, who would be more than happy to make that uh, argument. <laughs> um, Aaron, anything else as we, uh, as, as, as we wrap up this pod, it's like you said last week, the doldrums of January. You know, I think that what's going on with the Pistons right now and what I'll end this show with is that this is a franchise in the very beginning stages of a rebuild, a reshaping. Uh, you see it with obviously a new general manager. You see it with half the roster, if not, you know, it was probably more than half the roster, uh, you know, being stripped down and new guys taking their place. This is a process. We're starting to see the developments and uh, what this franchise is going to look like down the line. Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay. Uh, times are changing for the Pistons. The new guys are coming in and replacing uh, the old guys like a Blake Griffin, this is a new, it, it's kind of cliche because it's always kind of a new era when you start a rebuild, but this really is a new era uh, of Detroit Piston basketball. So I think we're seeing some nice things, some promising things. Uh, and it's something that I'm interested in watching. Um, maybe not watching the Pistons every night is very fun. Uh, but watching how this franchise shapes itself has certainly been uh, interesting. And it's, it's interesting to start to see the philosophy of Troy Weaver play out. Well, if there's one quote to take away from this podcast, it's that watching the Pistons isn't very fun. <laughs> and with that, we thank you for joining us oh, for man. another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Uh, plenty more Pistons basketball coming down the pipe. And uh, guess what? We will be here to talk about all of it, the good and probably more of the bad. 
Um, so for Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Anguilano. Thank you very much for joining us <clears throat> once again, as my voice decides to die on me at the very last moment um, for joining us. Uh, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.